It's not about me. Clients do not care about me. They mm -hmm. only care about how I can solve their problems. Yes, yes. And if I help people achieve what they need to achieve, solve their problem in a business sense or, or, or whatever at a personal level, okay, at some point they'll return the favor. Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh, Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal, and today we'll be talking with Randall Craig. Randall, welcome. I have heard so much about you and uh, you've uh, achieved so much uh, in, um, in your life. I would love to explore your career, learn about your journey, learn about your uh, story. So uh, those of uh, who don't know you um, in the audience, can you introduce yourself, share a little bit about your story. How did you get here? Um, and uh, yeah, how, how was that journey like? Well, certainly, um, I, I've built and sold several companies. Uh, I started my career as a management consultant at KPMG. Um, I was a senior VP of an American public company. Um, along the way, I've written eight books, one a bestseller, a real bestseller, not an Amazon bestseller. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm also a professional speaker. I'm in the speaker at the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame. And typically what I do is help organizations and CEOs figure out how to scale their business, um, uh, either through my coaching or through my various frameworks and everything. So, so that was my, you know, from management consultant to entrepreneur to uh, senior public, you know, public company exec to entrepreneur mm -hmm. to yeah. Um, entrepreneur. Th that's kind of where I got to where I am. That's amazing. Uh, so, um, how uh, tell tell us a little bit about uh, the contrast between all these different roles you played. You know, being an entrepreneur is quite different than being uh, a founder of a company, and also I believe it's very different than being an executive in a public company. So, can you share with us like uh, how they overlap or what kind of stock differences you experienced in uh, in these roles well maybe i'll take a step back and you know mm -hmm. my grandfather in, in the early 1910s 1920s he got a job in what's now called the mailroom of, okay. of a company that most of uh, your listeners will, un will, will will recognize chrysler and mm -hmm. then by the time he uh, retired in his you know at the end of his career he was senior vp of hr Mm. And, and, you know, back in the day, one's career always went from step to step to step to step to step. And I think it hasn't been there for a long, long, long time. For mm. me, it's always, I've, I've always been curious, you know, mm. curious about the human condition, curious about technology, curious about businesses and how that the, the, the entity can grow and everything. And that's probably why I was attracted to consulting on one hand. Um, because it allowed me to sort of dip my fingers into all kinds of different businesses and get exposed to all of their challenges. And frankly, it was, it was a great intellectual exercise. But I realized that it wasn't just that. You know, tools make it possible, but people actually make it happen. And so, mm. so when it came, when the Internet came about, um, I recognized immediately that this was a, a significant game changer in the world. And so I decided, you know, I was, I was doing very, very well at KPMG. Um, but I, what I decided to do is I, I said, you know what? Um, why don't I leave and start my own company from nothing? 
literally what what was in the bank was was uh you know two weeks of a crude vacation when i left and mm-hmm. and that's about it you know we we bought a new house in the northern part of toronto canada which is where i'm located and and i, I said to my wife I, I, am i crazy is this something that i should do and she gave me probably the best advice ever which is you know what's the worst that can happen you know we sell mm-hmm. the house move into your parents basement you know mm-hmm. we've got our health we've got our brains you know we've we, we're, we're happy so just just go for it which i took the advice and, uh, you know, obviously KPMG, which I put online, uh, was, was my first client. My, my second client was uh, Torstar. So I'm the mm. guy that put the Toronto Star online, you know, mm. strategy. Back then there was maybe, uh, you know, a couple of hundred websites around the world. But how does that mesh with an organization's strategy? How can we disrupt and transform the, the whole, you know, business, if you will. Along the way, I, I did a number of other, you know, digital firsts, uh, uh, Globe Investor, Workopolis, uh, a number of global financial institutions and global professional service firms. I, I helped figure out what their strategy is and how to grow, typically working with the most senior folks. And, and I grew my first business, um, you know, building that out and uh, eventually was bought by this public company where I eventually worked and sort of rose through the ranks as well. So, so for me, it's always been exploring the possibilities of what's there and figuring out what hasn't gone before and how we might be able to make a difference or thinking about things in a completely different paradigm in a way that, that isn't just, uh, oh, very exciting in an academic sense, but rather can make a significant difference to an organization and, in fact, drive the actual strategy. Mm-hmm. So, That's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I'll take a couple of, uh, I, sorry, uh, were you, did you have more to say? No, I was just going to say most of my work today, you know, mm-hmm. besides speaking, you know, at conferences on different strategies and everything, most of my work is, is working with CEOs one-on-one uh, where they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, and, yeah. and my role is to become those outsourced brain cells, to bounce mm-hmm. perspective, to, to, to sometimes ask the tough questions and help the leaders figure out how to grow their organization to that next level, whether it's, you know, from five to 10 or, or 40 to 80 or 100 yeah. to 200 million. That's kind of where I spend my time, most of my yeah. time. That's great. I think uh, I'll make a couple of observations. Um, as you said, like, you know, being curious and uh, diving into multiple industries, I think that. Uh, gives you a unique perspective because uh, I have gone through similar journey myself. And I think uh, the benefit you get is by diving into these different industries, you find uh, a, a, a common solutions to problems that exist in every industry. And unfortunately, as as it happens, society and, and business is so siloed, they never get to experience those uh, solutions in, in various industries. But if uh, somebody like you or me comes along, we can take those solutions and implement it in different industries. Is that, does that resonate? Uh, it, it absolutely does. In fact, mm. James Bleak in his, in his uh, uh, seminal book, uh, Chaos, speaks mm. about the true innovators are ones who become very expert in one area, then flip into a completely different area and bring those new perspectives in. In my particular case, I'm more focused on service and knowledge-based businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about farming. I don't know anything about, uh, you know, um, you know, gold mining or a bunch of these other areas. So, so yeah. anything with a service component to it and a knowledge component to it, that's where I focus. 
So, for example, if it's a not-for-profit on one hand and a law, uh, law firm on another and an engineering firm on another or an accounting firm, all of these service-based businesses or an agency for that matter, uh, they've got things that are very different, to your point, where you can take what works in one and say, well, how might we adapt it or, or how might a, a certain industry transform and, and your client you know, take the lead? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes if we say, well, gee, what can farmers teach uh, gold, you know, you know, extractive kind of companies? Mm-hmm. Well, well, what does a pharma company have to teach? Um, I don't know, um, uh, a marketing agency. Sometimes when we, when we go too far away, we lose the specificity and sure, the deep sure, knowledge sure. within the sector. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I buy into what you're saying, but I do have a, I, I know what my lanes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Uh, and then um, uh, the follow up to that is like, you know, uh, again, you are a naturally curious person and you are innovative um, uh, risk takers, uh, risk taking uh, person who, who can see the possibilities. But not everybody you work with or advise maybe may have the same temperament. A lot of people, especially when they are leading large organizations, they become extremely risk averse. So, how do you? How do you um, advise them and sort of take them on the journey of the same curiosity and sort of, you know, show them new paradigms like you mentioned, Vacopolis or, uh, you know, some of the other innovative companies that you created? Yeah. So I, that's a very astute observation, actually, Manusha. Uh, the way I would say it is this. If a company is just uh, or any organization is just so fixed in the way and there is just no movement, there is no support from the board for transformation, disruption, change, etc. If the CEO is, well, this is the way it is, you know, um, I probably am not going to be very helpful for them. Mm. But pretty much every successful CEO that I've ever worked with or come in contact with for that matter, uh, one thing is for sure. They know what they know, but mm. they don't know what they don't know. And sometimes the issue of being perceived as being risk averse isn't that they're really risk averse. It's just that the data points that they have are not full. They're missing some perspective. They're missing another sort of um, debate. They can't go to their peers or, or their, their, their direct reports. They can't go to the board uh, to sort of say something. So it's easier just to say, let's stay the course. Let's incrementally move stuff along as opposed mm-hmm. to think through that which they hadn't yet even considered. Yeah. And yeah. So, so, you know, for me, I'm never going to, you know, I'm, they're the full-time CEO, not me. But as yes, a coach, yes. I can say, well, here's a framework. Well, let's, let's just work through and see what it suggests. You know, mm-hmm. Is it possible that, fill in the blank, how might we do this? I wonder if, and yeah, all yeah, these yeah. different types, what's stopping us from considering this? Yeah, well, yeah, how yeah. is it that a competitor is able to think of it this way and has been able to make, be making inroads, yet we're a larger, presumably better financed, bigger brain trust, and and uh, let's see what we can learn, what we can do. What's yeah, the worst yeah. that can happen? All of these parts of the conversation can yes, often yes, yeah. begin a thought process where you know, they didn't have the data points before, they didn't know what questions to ask, and, and I'm able to provide that. Yes, yes. I think um, that's, uh, that's a great answer, and I think it also relates back to your experience in you know, asking these questions by diving into multiple situations, multiple industries, because your uh, 
field of um, awareness is much broader than somebody who works in one silo, right? Uh, it, it, it is, but, but remember, they're the CEO. I might be the yes, advisor sir. or coach. Yes, so yeah, they, yeah. they spend 7 by 24 thinking yeah. about their organization. Yes, yes, right? yes, but sometimes when you're in the box, you can't see yes, outside of the box. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, absolutely. and and that that's where it can help. Now, uh, uh, one one thing going deeper into this line of thought, uh, you know, when uh, when there is something new um, technologically, some new innovation has come in where we don't even have any historical data. Like uh, as you said, when the internet came along, you saw the possibilities right away, but most people did not even have any context about what this could be, how it could function, what is the what is the help it can provide. And now we are somewhat in the similar situation when artificial intelligence is coming along and a lot of people are afraid and they are fearful. In this kind of situation, how do you get buy into, let's say, you know, you want to implement something with AI and people saying, uh, oh, I'm so afraid of it. How do you convince them? Well, they should be afraid of it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, they, they should be afraid of it. And, and mm -hmm. let me describe, and I, I know this is your area of expertise mm -hmm. as well, but yeah. so yeah. let me describe what I mean. Yeah. Uh, an organization that spends a boatload of money in R&D and all of their researchers, before their products are even to the point of commercialization, are using ChatGPT or when they, uh, BART or when the other various uh, you know, tools in order to sort of come to some conclusions or to help with communication. But meanwhile, they're uploading their stuff into the system, not recognizing that, in fact, the system is using that as, as training data mm -hmm. to improve the system itself. And therefore, that which was loaded up, which is confidential and proprietary, and it might not even be you know, copyrighted, patented, trademarked yet because it's not in the public realm, mm -hmm. it's suddenly effectively available for other people. They should be afraid, and mm -hmm. they should do something about it. Likewise, if you're using um, ChatGPT or, 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 or their ilk, and you're taking the output of that, let's just say you're an agency, and you're using that to develop content for your clients. And, um, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's based on the trademarked and copyrighted, copywritten um, training data, which is very unclear whether, in fact, ChatGPT, Barg, et cetera, actually have the rights to use mm -hmm. in order to come up with your so-called derivative works. So, so, mm -hmm. so, gee, all of a sudden, as an agency, you've got a client saying, well, one second, uh, how do we know that, in fact, that mm -hmm. supposedly original content that you're writing you have the right to the underlying thing. We're exposing yourself to a huge amount of liability. Now, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't be using it. But what it means, though, is that when you are using this technology, much the way um, any new technology, you need to understand the framework and the context mm -hmm. in which mm -hmm. it operates. And saying, you know, nope, 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 we are not going to be using it mm -hmm. is not a, a correct answer either. You have to learn. So mm -hmm. what I'll say to my clients is, you know, there's nothing wrong with making sure there's sort of a, a framework around how you use this type of tool so that at least the most egregious of, of bad use cases, if you will, is, is sort of hived away. But at the same time, it's very important that you develop the organizational learning mm -hmm. on how to use the tool in a productive way, number one. Um, number two, excuse me, um, 
there's nothing wrong with having experiments where you test certain things out. What if we use that in our own social posts, for example? What if we use it to improve mm-hmm. the ideation in a particular area, but not using it, using that as yeah. the source for, for you know, human co-creation, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably most importantly is the question of how might we use this strategically? And, and how might we start to use these types of technologies? Same with, with AR, VR, you know, mixed reality. You know, there's a whole yeah. bunch of these technologies that are out there where we start to say, well, perhaps we don't need to bet the bank uh, like Facebook did, or rather Meta did, by saying we're going to do such and such. Okay, but maybe there's ways where we can start to say, well, if we embedded an AI component in our product, maybe then that would give us a strategic advantage. Part of our business relies, you know, a stadium full of people cranking out stuff that AI can do far cheaper, far, far more effectively. How do we move from being just prompt engineers, if you will, to using the underlying technology itself within our product and service base? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, so so that's how I would uh, that's yeah. how I would approach it. No, that that is great. Yeah, that's great. It really um uh, it really shows sort of the the uh, the depth of uh, thinking that you go through before uh, before um, uh, you know sort of going full steam ahead. So that's that's a great balance. Um, now uh, you mentioned that uh, you help companies grow. So. Obviously, growth is something that everybody's looking for at every level, individual level, community level, society level. So what are some of your secrets of growing companies that may be applied universally, maybe some uh, nuggets of wisdom that you can share, which work at uh, startup level or mid-size or large scale level, anything that you can share? Well, that's a pretty big question, Manish. So, uh, well, let's let, narrow it down. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot for so whatever. No, I, yeah. I don't mind being on the spot at all. Okay. okay, okay. So yeah. I probably would say... You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams show with Manu Jagarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP, competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding so do check them out the most important piece of advice i can give to any business looking to scale whether you're just a small solopreneur or you're a billion dollar plus global enterprise and what i it's what i call the stretch problem so if you think about it okay if you're a certain size let's say 20 million dollars You've got certain people in certain roles. You've got certain processes to, 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 to sell, to deliver, okay, to manufacture, whatever it happens to be. And you've got technology that's underpinning it, systems. And for that $20 million company, it's all going very, very well. And then you start to grow. And we, we see things like, gee, the technology that under, 
pins. It might have been good for a $20 million company, but not a $40 million company. You might find that people in a certain role were able to grow to a certain level, but they don't have the skills or they don't have the background or experience to grow to then to, to grow the, the organization in their current roles to that next level. Same thing with the processes for, say, customer service or, or business development or delivery. It might have worked very well at a certain scale. So the stretch problem is this. You know, we all wear shoes, most of us anyway. Okay. And you've got a size eight foot. And then all of a sudden, okay, your, your foot grows to size 11. Right, because everybody wants to grow. That's what you said before. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so all of a sudden, you've got the size eight shoes and the size eleven feet, and you most most businesses, because so much is going on, the leader isn't doesn't have their thumb on what's the weakest link here in terms mm-hmm. of the stretch problem. Is it a is it a question of of changing people? Is it a question of changing the processes so that they scale better? Is it the system? And the thing is, is if you do it too early, can you imagine a one-person company using the Salesforce CRM and, and SAP for accounting? No, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's so expensive. It's overkill, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a different problem. So you got to scale at a certain, you know, at a certain rate, certain speed, and everything. So, so solving the stretch problem, being sensitive to what that actually means, is universal. I, yeah. I think uh, I think I think a second one is is this, and this is a, a very much an underlying philosophy that that I've held for many many years. It's called give to get. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not about me. Clients do not care about me; they mm-hmm. only care about how I can solve their problems. Yes, yes. And if I help people achieve what they need to achieve, solve their problem in a business sense or or, or whatever at a personal level. Okay, at some point they'll return the favor, right? Yes. They may buy yeah. my, my services. They may recommend me to somebody else. And yes. I think that too often, as organizations grow, they forget this give-to-get philosophy. Yes. And yes. it becomes um, necessarily so in most cases, well, we've got a sales quota to hit. We've got quarterly numbers we got to hit, right? We've got to deliver a project by a certain date. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, and when we start thinking about that, yeah, those things get done, but sometimes at a cost of, of, of the brand. Yes, right? yes, yes. Gee, they're just trying to sell me. They don't mm-hmm. care about my business. They just want to sell me the software. Right. Yes, and yes. and that, that starts to be the, the kiss of death because all of a sudden, everything that you've built up in terms of market reputation and internal culture, what happens to it? Yeah. Right. It, it gets frittered away. Yet on the other yeah. hand, if you don't have targets and if you don't hold people to account, then you won't grow properly either. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the essence of leadership, in my view, is balancing those two, the issue of accountability and the issue which is an internal kind of thing, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. forget, which is very much an outbound. Uh, outbound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, it almost sounds like, you know, I, I, as I'm listening to you, like, uh, a lot of lot of the um, the things uh, it seems like they revolve around people. You know, peop- the the leader as a person, as well as as you said, the stretch problem of people. Because I think, I mean, technology and procedures. I think uh, yes, they may be very complicated, but people are the most important thing that we cannot like magically stretch, or it takes a long time. Is 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 what do you say about that? So. 
So, you know, there's many people who've written over the years about mm -hmm. the trade between uh, people and, 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 and capital. Gee, we've, mm -hmm. got a, we've got a factory and we're going to replace all these plant workers with machines. Mm -hmm. Okay, today, we've got all these white-collar workers and professionals. We're going to replace them with ChatGPT. And yeah. gee, if we could just get it right. Okay, yeah. and, and so uh, I think, yeah, it revolves around people and the decisions they make and the relationships they have. But let's be very clear. A business that doesn't have a functioning CRM is not going to be able to track their business growth. They're not mm. going to be able to manage it. They'll not be able to measure it. They will, things will fall through the crack. Mm -hmm. If the accounting system, <clears throat> excuse me, is not properly, you know, if there's no proper accounting system in financials, you know, what, what have you got? You've got a mess mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's plenty of regulatory issues to deal with, mm -hmm. certainly if you're public or, or, or close to it, right? So, so, yeah, it's all about people, but it's all about the, the processes and, and the systems as well. You mm -hmm. have the best people, you don't give them the right tools, they're going to be yeah. nice to them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got amazing processes, but they're not automated or there's no automation or there's no dashboards or whatever it is that you use. Okay, once again, uh, okay, it, it's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to really work on all three. I don't think that it's just the people, mm -hmm. right? But they certainly mm -hmm. are central. They yeah, certainly yeah. are central. Awesome. Um, now, uh, you know, after after going through all these transitions and making all this impact, I'm sure there were some uh, instances where uh, you you were not right or you made mistakes or learned lessons. I, I don't call them mistakes, you know, learned important lessons. So can you share with us like some stories of where you got the most uh, impactful uh, lessons? <laughs> so otherwise known as where did Randall screw up? Oh, believe me. No. <laughs> I, I can, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you two of them. One, a very, yeah. very small but embarrassing one. Um, mm. Everybody knows these little post-it notes, the yellow post-it notes. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote my first book, I've got, I've got eight books now, but I, when I wrote my first one years ago, um, it was self-published. You know, mm -hmm. Some of mine are self-published. All the others are not, right? But this is a self-published book. And what do I know about the book business? I thought that I'm a marketing guy. I should promote it. And so I decided that I'd go to my local Zippy print shop, and I would get a post-it note printed with the, one of the key phrases from the book. Uh, mm -hmm. phrase doesn't matter okay and i thought it would be uh it'd be very good to have because i was going to do a book launch about 100 people there maybe to have maybe about 120 150 of these things so i can sort of put them on the books yeah, you okay see, you and i was so busy manush you just couldn't imagine yeah. so so i i uh i went to pick them up and the guy says oh one second i'll just get the trolley mm. to bring <laughs> them to the front of the uh <laughs> I said, what do you mean, Charlie? Yeah. He says, well, I've got, I've got, you ordered 120 of them. So yeah, yeah. I got 120 boxes. Oh, my goodness. Which, each of which had thousands and thousands and thousands of <laughs> oh my God. notes. Thousands oh my God. of them. Okay. <laughs> so he said, what's this? And obviously, oh it was a big mistake. It was mine. But mm. here's the rub. The post-it notes didn't even have the website address. Oh, my book. goodness. Oh. They were totally, they were totally useless. Okay, they were mm. totally useless. Um, but uh, you know, eventually they would sit in the corner of my my office, cases mm. of them, and yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. threw them out because it was so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, 
so so that that was that that was probably uh, that was a dumb dumb mistake it was just i was too busy and i was yeah, yeah, yeah. low at that particular point i didn't have other people that can watch over the, those things mm. probably mm. the other uh, and th this is a bit more serious the other big mistake that i made was this um even though i had helped quite a few businesses in my time at kpmg when i started my own i totally was by myself <laughs> and don't get me wrong the business was very successful you know i sold it to a public company right um it was on a an, in an industry that was just growing up like like crazy so it's almost like you couldn't do wrong but we distinguished ourselves and everything but one of the things i didn't do is this i didn't realize then what i realize now i didn't know back then what i didn't know <laughs> i didn't know what i didn't know uh and if only i had hired a business coach earlier on far far earlier on I could have exchanged a few dollars for all of their experience doing the stuff that I had to learn the hard way. Yes, yes. And yes. I didn't have a problem. I just put my shoulder to the wheel. I spent lots mm. of hours, nights and weekends, not just during the day, making sure mm. this sucker would be successful. You know, I had my, my, my I was holding the, the tiger by the tail and things were like going like crazy. But mm. you know what? If I had a coach at that point who's specific, not, not for accountability and not for, you know, Learn to be more empathetic, Randall, or more so. Yeah. Not, not that kind of coach, but one who, who had grown businesses before. I would have been far more successful far earlier. And it would yes, have yes, given yes. me a lot of stress because they knew what I didn't know. Yes, and I yes, just yes. wasn't smart enough to ask questions to figure out yeah. what it was that I, you know, I, I, I didn't know. I knew what I knew. So yeah. so that was that was the other big, big mistake. And and it was being penny wise and pound foolish. I didn't even know there was coaches that did this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I just consultants that you would bring in for a project, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. I, didn't, I knew that there was employees that you hire, and and you know, obviously, I eventually hired quite a few. But but uh, I hadn't considered the idea of, of having a, a coach to help me scale the business. Yeah, and, I think that's and, very important. Yeah. So so that's a different category of mistake. Uh, uh, is really more opportunity lost. No, that's that that's a great uh, great one, which actually leads me into uh, the next question. So, uh, eventually, when you did realize the importance of coaches and mentors and whatnot, like, can you share with us any stories of the impact they had on you? Like, you know, when you work with them, uh, or um, you know, if like any anybody you can you mention even by name or uh, something the experience yeah. you got by. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just to be clear, of, of course, later in my career, I, I did hire a coaching service, and they, they were very, very helpful, and uh, worked with them for uh, about a half decade or so. And and there was not a problem every single month signing the check, because uh, because it was uh, it, it was fantastic. But probably the person that's made the greatest impact uh, in my career was my longtime mentor, a uh, fellow by the name of Bob Coffey. Uh, okay. He was the vice chair of KPMG. Okay. And uh, uh, when I started my career there, um, I was doing mergers and acquisitions and, and corporate finance. And I decided I was going to leave and, and maybe do something else, uh, become a lawyer because they had all the fun, right? And, and so I told <laughs> my boss at the time, who was the head of uh, corporate finance and M&A for Canada, I said, I said, you know, in January, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave and uh, go to law school in September, right? I did the LSAT, I had the offers and everything. 
And he says, okay, Randall, thank you very much. Uh, the next day I get a call into the vice chairman's office. Now understand, th- this, this fellow was larger than life. His, his yeah. office was twice the size of my living room today. <laughs> All foot office, he's like six mm-hmm. and a half feet tall. And there's little old mm-hmm. Randall who's uh, in his uh, like 25 or so. And so I'm sitting down, 25, 26, I'm sitting down in this chair and he says, uh, Randall, I understand that you're going to be leaving us. And I said, yes. And he says, uh, you know, you're not going to get anything but scut work for the next uh, six months or so. And uh, I said, listen, whatever, it, I'm, I'm just happy to help and, and uh, you know, do whatever I can. He says, I got, a, I got an alternative for you. And uh, I said, yeah. He says, be my early morning assistant. Uh, come to my, come to my uh, office every day by 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the next uh, two, three hours or so, we'll just talk. And between mm-hmm. 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., you do your job and I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. And that was back in the time when, when Pete Marwick and Thorne and Stinwini, two very large accounting consulting firms, merged to become KPMG mm-hmm. in Canada. I see, I see. And one of his responsibilities was, was you know, figuring out how some parts of this merger would work, specifically marketing across the country. Got so it, my day it. job, effectively, was to do that, 9 a.m. to I 9 p.m. But in the morning, like from six till nine, he would sit down and he would say, Randall, we're thinking of opening up another business unit in this area. What are the pros and cons? And, I, and, and bang, 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 bang. Well, how would you do this? How would you do this? I've got a dispute with some people. How would you solve this? And it would it just go on and on and on and on. That, Manish, was my first MBA. Mm-hmm. I, discovered, I discovered that, that uh, you know, in, in about August, not only was I really, really good at marketing strategy, but it was really, really fun. And I really, really didn't want to become a lawyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Years of poverty. So I never went that route. And so mm-hmm. well, that was that was a, a big eye opener. But you work together with somebody for 15, 16 hours every single day. Yeah, and, yeah. and you develop a very strong uh, uh, professional relationship and, and, and personal relationship. So when I left KPMG, he still was a very, very important uh, mentor in my life and, and still is a close friend today. He's obviously you know, uh, quite old. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we see each other, uh, you know, relatively frequently as a as a result of it. So so that was that was very uh, foundational yeah, in, yeah. in helping me, uh, you know, to learn how to be a senior executive, but also mm-hmm. to learn about the issues that senior executives would actually um, have, you know, decades before I would become one myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's a very uh, yeah. It's a very unique story. How um, my my question is. Why did he pick you? Why, I mean, have you ever asked, like, why did he pick you? That's a good question. You know, next time mm-hmm. I get together, I'll ask him. I, I worked yeah. on a transaction with, uh, with uh, for one of his clients, not directly with him. But I mm-hmm. guess, you know, word got back, and, and yeah. I guess he liked my attitude. And, yeah. and uh, you know, listen, if somebody says, hey, do you want to hop on a rocket and, you know, go up to the yeah. moon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what are you going to say? Oh, let me think about it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think I mean what comes to mind is because uh, I've had some similar experiences. I think um, wise uh, people with uh, with a lot of experience sometimes they see in us what we cannot see ourselves. So mm. uh, you know, so well, his his bet was a good one. I, I've done fairly well. I think he he benefited from it as well, just because yes, yes, uh, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been great, uh, great conversation. A lot of, a uh, lot of fun and a lot of insights. Thank you so much, 
for sharing your experience with the audience. Uh, now, before I let you go, um, if people want to connect with you, they want to hire you for speaking, what is the best way they can connect with you? Best way to connect with me is at my website, www.randallcraig, spelled like my name, randallcraig.com. And on there, there's all my speaking topics, as well as um, some stuff about my coaching and and about 600 piece articles and, and uh, white papers and all kinds of stuff that uh, you can uh, read at your convenience at no cost. So uh, awesome. thank you for that, randallcraig.com. Awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Randall. Thank you. Great topic of the day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Bootstrapping Your Dream. Bootstrapping Your Dream. We bring you life-changing insights about starting and growing your business, making your life and family happy. Given the fact that you listened to the whole episode, we know you are an awesome fan. Awesome fan. So why not help us spread the message? Please share the podcast with others who can benefit from it. And if you are feeling extra generous, leave a review on iTunes or any other platform where you are listening to the podcast. Hey, I'm Sarah, producer of the Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show. Show. This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.